Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. And it's John chapter 11, verses 17 to 44. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But, Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, 
Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Gordon, thank you very much indeed. Do keep that uh, Bible passage open. I think you'll find it helpful if you do. The other thing that you'll find particularly helpful, I think, is if you grab hold of the, um, the service order, the blue service order that you were given on the way in. And if you turn to the back, you'll see uh, there is a little outline of where we're going in the next few moments, uh, which, uh, whether you like to take notes or not, will be helpful, I think, for you. Uh, let me add my welcome to that of uh, Andy's. My name's Paul Williams. I'm the vicar here and uh, won't have met many of you because you'll be here for the first time. You're very, very welcome uh, indeed. And uh, we're going through these, um, these passages in, Luke, uh, in John 11 and 12. And uh, well, you, even if you've missed the first few, um, this sort of is self-contained and you'll see where, where we've been going uh, as we go along. Before we uh, dive into the Bible, let me pray for us now. Let's pray together. Now, Father, we thank you very much that we can sing of the Lord Jesus, who is the one uh, who has defeated evil and death. We thank you that death has failed to be found equal to him. And we pray that would be a very deep encouragement to us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. In a uh, recent conversation, a friend said to me, I don't feel the need for Christianity. Here is uh, someone who's worked hard all his life, done well for himself. He's now very comfortable. He and his wife are at a stage of life where they can have fun, uh, traveling the world, playing sport, enjoying an active social life. They have a lovely home. They have good health. Quite simply, they're enjoying life and they don't feel the need for anything else. As we chatted, I explored a number of avenues with my friend, but for the most part, it was one of those conversations where I felt I was making no progress whatsoever in persuading him that he really should consider the claims of Christ. Until, that is, I raised the issue of death. At that point, the the whole tone of the conversation changed completely. He didn't get angry. The point was we were no longer simply exchanging parallel Views, we were talking about an issue which was undeniably crucial. An issue which men and women and boys and girls have absolutely no answer to. And it is that that makes the claims of Jesus Christ relevant to everyone who walks this planet. If you want to know whether there's any reason for Christianity, if you don't feel the need for Christianity... When you read these words, you see exactly why there's a need for Christ. John chapter 11, verse 25, we had them read just now. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. In John's gospel so far, Jesus made some astonishing claims. He said, I am the bread of life. I I bring satisfaction and fulfillment in life. I sustain life. What a claim. He said, I can quench your thirst in life. I can give you what you yearn for deep down. He said, I am the light of life. I can shed shed light on what life is all about. More than that, I am the answer to the darkness in this world. But when you look at all the dark rubbish in this world and all the dark secrets in your own life, I can deal with that, said Jesus. Now look, any one of those claims is remarkable, astonishing. And if you ask me, uh, I would suggest that um, any one of those claims 
really should be considered by each person who walks this planet. But if you are very satisfied with your life and you don't acknowledge the deepest longings of your heart and you don't consider the darkness in this world to be a problem for you and you're not looking for direction in life, then you can brush aside even those most remarkable and momentous statements from Jesus and you can say, I don't feel the need for Christianity. But I don't think anybody can say that about the words of Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Jesus' claim here is astonishing. We looked at it in more detail a few weeks back. It is a claim to be God. I am the great I am. I am the one who can give life. Only God can do that. And more than that, I am able to give life beyond the grave. Jesus first said these words to a close friend of his, a woman called Martha. She'd just been bereaved. Her brother Lazarus had died. She'd hoped that Jesus might have arrived earlier, stepped in, healed the man. But by the time Jesus turned up on the scene, her brother had been buried for days. And so here she was facing the utter devastation of the loss of losing a loved one. And it is at precisely this moment, face to face with death, that many people do see a need for Jesus that they've never seen before. On more than one occasion, I... I've heard tearful widows say to me, he wasn't religious vicar, but he's in a better place now, isn't he? Do you hear what's being said behind that? Me and my husband, we've, we've never had seen any real need for Christianity, for Jesus. But now, face to face with death, I need to know there's something more. Well, of course, because death is so heartbreaking. And those sort of vague hopes that people have that maybe there is something up there perhaps. It's just not definite enough when my loved one's just died. I need to know. I need something more than vague hope. Look, here's the point. We can go through life thinking that we don't need Christianity but we cannot go through death like that. I've been ordained for, I think I said last week, for more than 28 years now. And through those years, I've met many people who want nothing to do with Jesus Christ in their life. Not interested. But through those same years, I've taken many funerals, hundreds actually. And I've only met one man, only one in all that time, who hasn't wanted to know about life after death. See, when confronted with it, we want answers. The problem is most of us bury our head in the sand and don't deal with the issue of death until it's too late. It's not that people don't think about it, by the way. Believe me, there are many people who are scared stiff by the thought of death. The terrifying prospect of being snuffed out forever hangs over us, sometimes coming frighteningly close and other times lurking in the background. It's always there. It's a thing for many, many people. But many don't want to confront it because, I guess, because we don't think we have the answer to it. Others put it off thinking there's plenty of time ahead of us to deal with it. When I worked in the newspaper industry, I had a colleague called Steve. I was Steve's boss. As it happens, we became good friends. In fact, I was Steve's best man and father to his, uh, godfather to his first child. (laughs) That was not good. Godfather to his first child. Yeah, 
This was supposed to be a key moment. I've lost a lot of you. I don't quite know where to go with this. Steve and I were good friends. I didn't know his wife at all. And uh, anyway, Steve, uh, Steve and I often talked about the claims of Jesus Christ. And Steve said to me on more than one occasion, I believe it's true, as we talked about these things, I believe it's true, but I'm going to enjoy life first and then become a Christian at the end of my life. Then one day, Steve was involved in a massive car crash. Miraculously, he walked out of it with just a cut on his hand and a few bruises. The car was written off. The pictures of the wreckage left you wondering how no one was killed. And a few days after the event, Steve and I went out for a drink together, and Steve relived those moments. He said to me, I thought I was going to die. And so I said to him, and did you become a Christian in that moment? And he looked at me with shock and fear in his eyes and said, Paul, it all happened so fast, I didn't have any time to think about anything. Death doesn't always send you a text telling you it'll be calling very soon. Think of two news stories that you might have seen this week. Neither were headlines, but they both featured on the BBC website. 44-year-old mother of three, Elaine Stanley, was mauled by her two pet dogs on Tuesday afternoon. She was treated by paramedics, but her injuries were so severe she died at the scene. On Thursday morning, the sports pages reported that 24-year-old Jack Hatton, a member of the USA national judo team, died unexpectedly. Death does not respect age or social standing or popularity or prospects. It crashes in quite unexpectedly. We have no answer to it. And that is why Christianity is relevant to every man and woman and boy and girl on this planet. Because Jesus says, I am the answer to death. I am the resurrection And I am the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Now the question tonight as we come to John 11 is how do we know? How do we know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? How do we know that he can deliver on such a statement? I mean anyone can make great claims for themselves. We meet people all the time making great claims for themselves. How do we know that Jesus can give everlasting life to people who die? Well, that is the main point of this week's passage, verses 38 to 44 of John 11. Because in these verses, we are given a conclusive sign that Jesus is the resurrection and the life as he claimed to be. First in these verses, uh, the points are on on the back of the uh, order of service. First, we're told that Jesus, uh, that Lazarus was really dead, really dead. Look with me at John 11 and verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Uh, look, if you believe that you can raise the dead, then this is the place you have to go. We would go to the cemetery. If you're going to prove that you can raise dead people, you have to go to the place where there are dead people. Back then in first century Israel, it was quite unusual for people, quite usual for people to be buried in caves. That's what happened to Martha's brother Lazarus. 
And as Jesus came to the cave where Lazarus had been buried, uh, John tells us that a stone had been laid across the, the entrance to the cave. And so, verse 39, take away the stone, said Jesus, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he's been there for four days. Now, for the squeamish, this is not the kind of detail you want to think about, but it is very important. Lazarus had not just died in the last hour or so. This was not a case of a man whose breathing had become very shallow, who appeared to have died, but, but then came round. There are stories, aren't there, of that sort of thing happening, even in hospital mortuaries. Even today, when doctors have to certify a death, they don't often make mistakes, but it has been known that a patient has been taken to the mortuary, having been pronounced dead, and then to the horror of the hospital porter and the embarrassment of the certifying doctor, and, of course, to the delight of the family, the apparently dead person wakes up. Of course, they weren't dead in the first place. But that is not the case here. End of verse 39. Lazarus had been dead and buried for four days already. And as Jesus orders the stone to be removed from the cave, Martha, the dead man's sister, is in no doubt. Her brother died and was buried four days ago. And so Martha is worried that a horrible stench of rotting flesh will come out of the cave. There's no question in her mind, Lazarus is dead. He's really dead. Next, Jesus is about to perform a sign that will enable us to really believe. The second point. Look again at Martha's words in verse 39. Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour for he's been there for four days. You see, Martha had no expectation of what Jesus is going to do next. Martha isn't anticipating that Jesus will bring her brother back to life. Let me take you back, though, to verse 25. Again, that verse that we've looked at already. Jesus said to who? To Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said those words to Martha, and Martha replied, verse 27, Yes, Lord. I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. That's remarkable, isn't it? Those words of Martha appear to be the words of wholehearted Christian belief. Jesus, I've just heard you say that you're the resurrection and the life, and I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And yet when Jesus steps up to the plate, as he asks for the stone to be removed from the cave, verse 39, Martha is not expecting Jesus to bring Lazarus back to life at all. All she's expecting is a smell to reach high heaven. Now what's going on here? Martha says she believed, but she... Well, let's not be too hard on Martha. Raising dead people is not the sort of thing we expect to see every day. So let's not give Martha a hard time. No, when we think about it, Martha is very much like us. Like Martha, we can say words of belief and still not believe. We might well say of Jesus, as Martha did in verse 27, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, but still not believe that Jesus can actually raise dead people. There are many people in churches who recite the creeds Many people who attend Bible studies, ask them who they think Jesus is and they'll say words very similar to Martha's in verse 27 and yet they don't believe that Jesus can raise dead people to life. 
Now look, if that's you, if you're able to affirm positive things about Jesus, that's a brilliant thing. But if your belief doesn't go this far to believe that Jesus can actually raise the dead, then please think about coming on the Christianity Explored course. Um, Andy mentioned it earlier. Details are on the, on the uh, notice sheet, but they're also uh, on this card. You could pick up one of these. It began last week. It's not too late to begin to jump on the course. Indeed, week two is a very good week to join the course. Thursday night, 7.15 in the lounge uh, over in the church centre. Now that may well have been Martha. She may well have needed to go on a Christianity Explored course. We don't actually know though. It might be more like this. It might be that Martha was indeed a wholehearted believer who when the crunch came, when the rubber hit the road, when face to face with death, she needed assurance, reassurance. I say that because I can imagine being in precisely Martha's situation when it comes to my death. I became a Christian back in March 1983. I've been a Christian for 36 years now. One key reason I became a Christian was because I was fearful of death. And I discovered in Jesus Christ one who could deal with the problem of death. So I committed my life to him. Yet, don't be surprised when it comes to it. When I'm at death's door, don't be surprised if I have doubts. I might well need reassurance you might well need to say to me, Paul, Jesus is the resurrection of the life and he raised Lazarus from the dead and so he can raise you too. Do you see, Lazarus was really dead and in a moment we will see that Jesus raised him so that we might really believe because when you're face to face with death, you do doubt it sometimes. really dead so that we might really believe and see something really glorious the third point verse 40 Jesus said did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God the glory of God is if you like the essence of God what he's really like in raising Lazarus from the dead we see how great God is we see something of God's character of his great and mighty power. That is what we're going to see in a moment, just how glorious God is. That was a short point. Before we do, Jesus wants us to know that he was really sent by God. So this is point four, really sent, verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Do you see what's going on here? Jesus audibly prayed. He could have just prayed in his mind, couldn't he? But he he says it out loud to his heavenly father so that those around would hear his prayer so that we would know who Jesus is, so that we would know that he is the eternal son of God, so that we would know, end of verse 42, that he has been sent by the father. Why is this so important? What is going on in verses 41 and 42? I think it's this. As Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, it is crucial that we know that Jesus is no conjurer, no charlatan, no con man. It's vital that we know who he is who is doing this. He prayed to his heavenly father. 
He didn't call on the dark powers of the evil underworld in order to perform miraculous deeds out of this world, you see. Now what he does here is, is, is a sort of a public, a public declaration. I am doing this asking God to do it. I am not from some other place. Indeed, it's what he's already told us. Now just go back to chapter five for a moment, if you will. These are the things that Jesus has already said about himself and about his relationship with God the Father. Just three verses. Chapter five, verse 21. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. See, the Father raises the dead. I'm gonna do it as well. The Son does it as well. Verse 25, I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Verse 28, don't be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice, that is the voice of the Son of Man. Now as we turn back to chapter 11 then, Jesus prayed audibly to his Father so that the crowd... Uh, both the crowd then and subsequently we reading these words would know that Jesus is the son of God who was sent by the father to give people life beyond the grave so that we would believe in him. And so having seen that Lazarus was really dead so that we can really believe in the really glorious action of God that Jesus was the really sent one Finally, we see a dead man really raised, verse 43. When he'd said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. (laughs) We saw this a few weeks ago. It is remarkable. The dead man came out. They are the most astonishing words. The dead man came out of the grave. A dead man who'd been dead in the grave for four days. A dead man who was so dead that his flesh had started to rot. A dead man whose heart and lungs had stopped functioning four days ago, who was completely brain dead. A dead body with no whiff of life in it. The dead man came shuffling out of the grave wrapped in his grave clothes. Here we see the glory of God. If you're not convinced of that, of how glorious this is, that this is only the glory of God, if you're not convinced of that, try it after the service. Go to the graveyard. There are lots of graves. You can all find one. Look on the headstones. You've all got your iPhone, so you can put that in the dark, find the name. Look at the names of those buried. Pray to your heavenly Father, asking him to hear your prayer, and then name the dead person and say to them, come out. It'll be dark, no one will be able to see you, except, of course, all the other people who are doing it alongside you with their iPhones out as well. But even so, I doubt any of you will try it, even if it was only one. I doubt you'll try it because... And if you did, actually, if I was a betting man, I'd put all my money on you not being able to pull it off. We cannot do this. We have no power over death. We can't stop death. Sure, the wonder of modern science and modern medicine, the brilliant minds of professors and chemists and research assistants work wonders to prevent death for a time. 
But we can't prevent it forever. We can't stop it and we can't reverse it. Even with all the drugs and equipment in the world, even just hours after someone has died, when someone's dead, they're dead. We cannot bring them back to life. How we wish we could. So as Lazarus comes out of the grave, we are seeing the glory of God. He has power that we don't have. Power over death. Power to give life. What a God. And so in the raising of a really dead man, we should see the glory of God and be left glorifying Jesus and really believing in him. Uh, Believing in him intellectually, believing that he is who he said he is. Here's the proof. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Here's the proof. He's not just another ordinary man. Here's the proof that he is the great I am. Here's the proof that he is the resurrection and the life. Here's the proof that he can raise dead people. He's not all talk. But more than an intellectual belief, this tells me that I can trust Jesus with my death. In that sense, believe, trust. Trust him so that when I'm coming to the end of my life, if you happen to come and visit me, read John 11, verse 25 and 26 to me, please. Read these words. Say, Paul, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And when you've read those words, ask me that question at the end of verse 26. Do you believe this, Paul? And when I say, yes, I do believe it, then read verse 27. Uh, Sorry, then read verse 43. When he'd said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, and the dead man came out. I need to hear that when I'm dying. I need to know what Jesus said. And I might well need to be reminded that Jesus backed up his words with the most glorious action. It's that kind of belief, a real trusting belief that this should give us. See, Martha could say the words, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. But she didn't yet fully believe that it would happen. We've heard the words and we've even seen the action. Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave and the dead man came out and so if I believe in Jesus, then verse 25, I too will live. And that is why Christianity is relevant to every man and woman and boy and girl who ever lived. That is why when people say to you and me, I just don't, see any need for it at the moment you and I need to get onto the conversation of death what can you do about that people don't have an answer now we can take them to Jesus words in John 11 because every one of us is going to die and we have no solution to it but Jesus the resurrection the life can give life beyond the grave to anyone who believes in him, even though they die. Praise God. Let's pray together. The dead man came out 
The dead man came out. Heavenly Father, those are the most remarkable words. And even those of us who've perhaps read them before or know, you know, know that Jesus does this, we pray that you'd help us to see how glorious it really is. To see your glory and to want to glorify your son, the Lord Jesus. We pray more than just seeing how glorious it is, it would give us deep, deep confidence to believe, to really trust you, to trust you in our life and to trust you with our death. And so, Heavenly Father, would you strengthen our faith tonight? And for those who are not yet followers of yours, help them to see that there's good reason. Good reason to believe, not just intellectually, but personally for them to put their trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.